Chapter Twenty Six of Countdown by Kurt Becker, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Zero. Ned sat on a padded stool at a small table that folded down from the wall, reading the items on a long list aloud into a small microphone. He made a small mark before each as a voice replied from the tiny speaker. Cabin three, ventilator open. Check. Water. Check. Kit A. Check. Six O tanks. Check. Distantly a metallic voice, totally devoid of emotion, said, Forty-two minutes. Rifles and ammo. Check. Parachute packs A, B, and C. Check. Pressure suit type Y. Check. In other places there were similar checks being made. Andy had a list. Walter and Nancy each had one, too. Men moved along the corridors carrying bundles. Machinery hummed. Urgent voices shouted for someone to hurry up with those emergency rations for the auxiliary control room. The great ship hummed with swift orderly activity. Thirty-four minutes, said the dispassionate metallic voice. The list was incredibly long, but finally there were the last three items. Six cell flashlights and clips. Check. Oxygen renewal tanks T, R, and K. Check. Clothing kit number 18. Check. All out. Twelve minutes said the voice. Then another equally metallic. Duke Higgins, Duke Higgins, report to captain and control room. Ten minutes. Fasten seat belts, please. Smoking lamp is out. Ned Bartley to the control room on the double. Door crew prepared to open hangar gate. Andy hobbled past. How do I get to the control room from here? Ned demanded. Follow me. Nine minutes. Engines report. Number nine and ten ready. Number five and six ready. Case of chocolate bars missing in C2O. Hurry it up. Duke Higgins, get the lead out of your feet and report to the captain on the double. Eight minutes. Open hangar doors. The control room was crowded and confused. There was a man on the floor, and Amanda was kneeling beside him. Baldwin, his face grim, spoke into a microphone. Stop the countdown. Dr. Bliss, please, to the control room. What happened? Ned asked. That's Josh Krieg. Andy told him, the navigator, he's been shot, ricocheted from the steam shovel while he was coming back with some calculations he thought he needed. What happens now? Andy shrugged. We don't go, unless Father Carson changes his mind. We can't take a chance of taking off with only Dad and Duke Higgins to do the aiming. Mars is awfully far away. Dad! Nancy's voice was shrill with excitement. Look! They all looked. The hangar doors had opened, and lights had come to life along the landing strip. Several hundred yards away, they saw two men who returned a barrel, and suddenly the railway was blazing as the spill gasoline was ignited. In the glare of the flame, they could see a wildly gesticulating figure brandishing a rifle. "'It's Kingsley,' Mike said dully. "'Look at him. He's completely berserk.' "'All right,' Father Carson's voice was quiet. "'I'll go. That does it.' "'Resume countdown,' the metallic voice said. Eight minutes.' Sit here by me, Mike's voice called Amanda up from her knees to his side, and strapped down tight. You can read these numbers for me. Go help Father Carson, Baldwin said to Ned. Andy, you come here. Nancy, read for Doc. How is Krieg? He'll live, the big voice boomed. He'll live. Get that big brute to bed him down somewhere. Where is Higgins? Right here. Higgins appeared suddenly at the door, his hair in wild disarray, a streak of oil staining one cheek. Take the controls, Duke, Baldwin said. You're taking her up. Father? All set. Just one more row. 
Six minutes. Here we go. Ned continued to read the figures to Father Carson, who punched buttons in some sort of calculator before him. There was a sudden stillness in the room. Ned became aware suddenly of a slight vibration in the floor. It smoothed out, was joined by other vibrations. Four minutes. Something pinged loudly above their heads. A line of men were standing beyond the smoking barrier of flame, the flickering light shining on the barrels of their rifles. They're shooting at us, Ned heard Amanda's incredulous voice. They're trying to kill us. Don't worry, honey. Mike's smile was reassuring. It would take a cannon to dent this baby. Thirty seconds, the mechanical voice said, still level and unemotional. Father Carson pushed the last button and smiled as the little computer went into a perfect frenzy of clickings, finally disgorging a strip of paper with figures on it. Check, he said. Then he reached out for a microphone and held it to his lips. In the name of the holy and undivided trinity. Ned knew the solemn words were echoing in every corner of the great ship. We humbly beg for a swift journey and a safe return. Prosidamus in pace. In peace may we start out, in peace travel, in peace conclude our journey, to the glory of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Ned heard fervent amens breathed around him. Fifteen seconds. The vibrations were different, like the soundless shrilling of the porcelain whistles, but vastly deeper, infinitely more powerful. Slowly the ship lurched forward. Ten seconds. The voice was not quite so detached now. Outside, the figures behind the fire moved uneasily back, lowering their guns, as they realized that the ship was coming toward them, and realized, for the first time, the awesome size of it. Kingsley was still dancing around in the center of the paved strip, furiously brandishing his rifle, and apparently screaming at his men to shoot, to stop it, somehow, anyhow. Robson, beside him, his face wearing a look of terror, tugged at his father's arm and was flung aside roughly. He staggered, lost his balance, and fell into the wavering wall of flame. A second later he was on his feet, rushing madly in a circle, his clothing on fire, his mouth open in what must have been a terrible scream. Kingsley dropped his gun, tripped him, rolled him over the ground, and tried futilely to beat out the flames. Robson writhed and struggled in agony, and suddenly lay still. Ned saw Kingsley cradle the boy in his arms, rocking back and forth, and he knew that Kingsley would never again see anything except the sight of his son in flames. Four, three, two, one, zero. The voice was suddenly a cry of triumph. Ned felt himself pressed back against his seat, saw the ribbon of fire racing under him, the road rushing out of the darkness toward him in a blur of speed, and suddenly they were aloft, climbing. He felt the slow tilt into a smooth, ascending bank, and saw the clouds scud by, part and vanish. Ahead lay the bright splendor of the stars. The Beginning End of Chapter 26 End of Countdown by Kurt Becker, S.J.